Welcome to People with Purpose. So many people are looking for meaning, but they don't know where to start. Imagine a world where everyone could just get their purpose out of them and then actually make it happen. I'm David Roberts, and I believe that we all have a purpose, and with focus and a little help, people with purpose make a difference. And this show is where these stories come to life. Welcome to People With Purpose. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Nick Hutchison, uh, who is uh, the visionary force behind Book Thinkers. So uh, helping authors basically connect with their readership uh, and really get their message out there. So, uh, so Nick, welcome to the show. David, I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to dive in and see where you want to take the conversation. But there's nothing that fuels me more than conversations like this. I just love them. Right, cool. Perfect. Well, me too. Me too. So, uh, so yeah, so that's, that's a very, very good start. So um, and why don't you start off by telling us sort of what you're working on right now? So my very first book, Rise of the Reader Strategies for Mastering Your Reading Habits and Applying What You Learn, is launching on November 1st. And this is a book project that's taken me about three years to write and finish. And it came about because I have a very large community of nonfiction readers on social media, about 180,000 across our different platforms. And over the years, I've been making book recommendations on a daily basis, but my community has been saying, Nick, we appreciate the recommendations. Thank you. Maybe these books can even help solve some of my problems, but I'm having a tough time translating information into action. And so that's what my book is all about. If we're reading all of these books, how do we get the absolute most out of them so that we're not wasting our time and that we're not wasting our money? Yeah, yeah. And that's a massive, a massive, massive challenge, especially for people who 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 love to kind of absorb that information. But I talk to so many people who yeah, they, they, they read the books, they go on the courses, they listen to the podcasts. And when it actually comes to implementation, uh, you know, they, they just get lost in a morass of information. I mean, so, so what, are your, what are your top tips then for helping people to navigate through that? Oh, I have so many tips. <laughs> I think it all starts by understanding the importance of what these books can do for us. You know, sometimes I'll meet somebody, I'll bump into them at an event or a conference, I'll meet them online. And I'll say, what are you reading? And they'll tell me and I'll say, why? And they'll be like, what do you mean why? So I think it starts with understanding why we're reading these books. What value can they actually provide to us? And then we need to set an intention for each book that we read. So I have this fun kind of process that I go through where I actually, I just, this book is just sitting next to me. So I'll use it as an example, but I haven't started this one yet. But each time I start a new book, I look at the front cover, I read the back cover. You know, typically I have a good understanding of what the book is about. And then I set a goal for the book, something that follows the SMART goal framework. It's specific, it's measurable, it's attainable, it's relevant to my life, it's written on the inside cover, and it's time bound. So this book right here is $100 million leads by Alex Hormozzi, how to get strangers to want to buy your stuff. I'm choosing to read this because. I want to improve the leads that we're getting at Book Thinkers. And so my intention is going to be something like find and implement at least two lead generation strategies for Book Thinkers by the end of the month. So now I know whether or not I hit that goal. It's specific, it's measurable. I know whether or not I hit it. It's attainable, meaning it's not like a million dollars by the end of the month, but it's just find and implement two things. It's going to be relevant to my life, obviously, but I'm going to write that intention on the inside cover of the book. 
And then it's time bound. By the end of the month, I give myself a deadline. The last thing I'll mention in this kind of first tip is that if you write the intention on the inside cover of the book or on a sticky note or in your notes section on your phone, and you review it each and every time you dive into the book, your brain can help filter for those two things that you can use to implement, right? So you're kind of leveraging the RAS, the reticular activating system in your brain to get more out of each book that you read or course that you go through or conference that you attend, podcasts that you listen to. So uh, yeah, it's one of my favorite tips right there. Well, that on its own is is massive. I mean, I've got a... Um, a real challenge with actually reading books. So, so I, I, you know, consume most of my content, um, you know, or auditorily, auditorily uh, through Audible or, or or podcasts or whatever it is. So, so yeah. So, um, so how can people uh, take that kind of approach with a with an audio book? Yeah, same kind of thing. I think that if you review your intention on a sticky note right on the back of your phone or audio device, or if you write it in the notes section on your iPhone or your Android device, and then you just review that intention before you decide to sit down and listen to something, mm. same thing. Your brain will filter for, oh, oh, that was the tip that I was looking to implement, right? Mm. And sometimes we get 20 or 30 tips from a book, right? But that's not it's not reasonable to think that you can implement 20 or 30 things from one book, especially if you're a busy person. Yeah, yeah. So what I like to do is say, okay, maybe we have this whole list of things that we want to implement. What are the 20% that might lead to 80% of the change? What are the highest leveraged activities that you can take action on within the time frame that you set your goal? And so I love audiobooks too. I mean, I love paper. I, I read about 70 paper books a year, and I probably read about 30 audio or listen to about 30 audio books a year. So I'm definitely right there with you. It's a great way to learn. Yeah. 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 And actually uh, I've, I found I made the transition recently from uh, always typing stuff to actually writing stuff down as well. Cause I, I heard somewhere that, um, you know, if you actually write something, you get a more visceral connection with what, what you're doing. Is, is that something that you found as well? Yes. I've definitely read that and I do both. So what I'll do is I'll write, let's just say I read this book and I find 30 things related to my intention. I think reading and taking notes are two separate activities. It's easier to separate them, I think, with a physical book than it is an audio book. And here's what I mean. While I'm reading the book, if I find something that I think is interesting, I don't want to lose all of my reading momentum, stop, reflect on it, take notes. What I want to do is mark it off. So I love writing in my books. I'll just bracket something off. I'll highlight it right when I'm in the middle of reading and I'll continue reading. When I'm done with a reading session or done with reading the book, I'll go back and I'll rewrite all of those things. I'll add some extra notes. I'll reflect on it a little bit and I'll generate a list of potential actions. I'll write that out because like you said, it's visceral. It's multi-sensory. And then I'll take just those 20% that I want to take action on and I'll rewrite them into my activity tracker and my online notebooks using a keyboard. So I like having an online notebook like Evernote or something like that because number one, when I first started reading books, I took all of my notes in the same notebook and I lost the notebook. 
So that was one of my first experiences. <laughs> but number two, something like Evernote, an online notebook platform, can be used on your laptop, your phone. You know, if you're if you just read Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss, a book on negotiation, you're about to walk in and negotiate. You could review your notes real quick. So I like having them in multiple places. Yeah, yeah. Evernote's great actually. I um I've never signed up for the for the paid version, but even the free version is is brilliant for being able to sort of compartmentalize um, you know, a different different content, different inputs uh, when you're working at stuff. And and then yeah, it's just then about remembering to 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 look at it. So so when you've digested a book, got your actions, yeah, you've written it down, um, how, how do you kind of make sure that you do implement on those things? How does the execution bit come into play for you? Early in my reading journey, I read a book called The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy. And in that book, Darren outlines a basic activity tracking system to measure your habits. And I was reading that book with a friend years and years ago, and we said, let's build one of these activity tracking templates. And so we built an early iteration on Google Sheets. He had a tab, I had a tab, we used the same format. And it was set up Monday through Sunday, and you could set a goal for a specific activity, you could name the activity and then measure throughout the week. And so as we continued to use this, we added a ton of additional functionality. And in my book, I make that same template available to everybody else. Cool. So it's fun to measure your activity. Peter Drucker, the legendary management guru, says what's not being measured can't be managed. Mm. You have to understand your baseline of activity. Mm. So let's just say that I'm reading $100 million leads and I find a really interesting paid advertising strategy. Well, I might plug into my activity tracker you know, test out this paid advertising strategy at least twice this week. And then I set my goal of two. And as I'm looking at it throughout the week, I'm trying to achieve a 100% as far as my life quotient goes with all of my different activities. Mm. And if I miss an activity, I'm not going to get there. So it sort of encourages me to take action. The other side to this coin is that with my friend, when we started these activity trackers, we also started an accountability group. We would meet every single week on Friday, and we would talk about our goals for the week, what we've added, what we're subtracting, what's been working, what we're struggling with. And we could see each other's trackers so we could hold each other accountable. And that group continued to grow over time into a handful of people. And uh, that accountability has been really important for me in terms of taking action as well, because you know, it's kind of that thing, you wake up, the alarm goes off at 7 a.m. Well, I don't know if I want to go to the gym today. But if somebody else is waiting for you at the gym, you're far more likely to get out of bed and go. Yeah. And so you try to do the same thing with, you know, the things that you're measuring to improve your relationships, your health, your happiness, you know, little things throughout the day that you want to try for your business, try to be held accountable for all of those things. Yeah, yeah. That's that's really cool advice. I guess there's um to like take a step back a little bit from this uh, uh, for a minute. Um in a way, you need to have a kind of a compass, don't you, in a direction and something that you're aiming for. So, 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 so what is your, what is your focus? What is your, your purpose for all of this? You know, one of the best books that I read early in my journey was called Built to Serve by Evan Carmichael. Have you read the book? Uh, a long, long, long time ago. Yeah. 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 So Evan in that book, he says, your purpose comes from your pain. Your purpose comes from your pain. And so I'm sure you've heard lots of variations of that hosting this podcast. But 
that really resonated with me. And he brings you through a format in the book called Who, Why, How. Mm. The who is all about what's your one word? What's your focus? What gets you out of bed? What energizes you? And after going through all the exercises in his book, I found that my who is progress in action. I'm fulfilled on a daily basis when I make progress in my health, my wealth, my happiness, my relationships, my spirituality, or I help other people make progress in their health, wealth, relationships, et cetera. And that comes from action. Like making progress stems from taking action. When I'm unfulfilled, it's when I'm stagnant and that stems from inaction, right? So that's my who, my why. Well, when I was in my late teens and early 20s, it was a very confusing place for me because on one side of the spectrum, I had developed a little bit of an ego, especially playing sports. I was very competitive and that would represent itself at the expense of everybody else around me. I wasn't a lot of fun to be around. But on the other side of the coin, I had developed a lot of insecurities, especially around my ability to communicate, what everybody else was thinking about me. It was also a very confusing place to be. And so as I started to read these personal development books, I was able to reverse the ego and reverse the insecurities. I was able to be of service to other people, and that felt really good too. And I was able to uh, be a little bit more confident and remove that, you know, that gut feeling that's really uncomfortable, the anxiety. And so books helped me solve all of the pains that I was dealing with and then helped me develop a much more fulfilling life. So my why, okay, my who is, is action and progress. My why is because books solved everything for me. And now I want to go help books solve things for other people too. And then the how, right now that's book thinkers. It's my podcast. It's this book coming out, Rise of the Reader. And uh, anyway, when I think about purpose, like what drives me, I do believe that the right book at the right time can change somebody's life, especially if they're using the right tools to implement the book. So that's kind of where it's all at for me. That's um, that's that's brilliant. And, and it's such a great um, articulation of that whole whole model. And you've reminded me that I really must go back and read that again, because um, I was actually having a debate with somebody uh, only only earlier this week and it wasn't it wasn't even on the podcast it was an, an, an offline debate about um about purpose and about purpose whether purpose really does come from pain or whether it has to come from pain and and the way i put it to uh, this guy who's a successful entrepreneur just exited his business um you know you know doing really well because so it's so a pain is a relative concept right so kind of define pain and what's painful for one person might actually be pleasurable for somebody else at the extreme right so so it's a very personal thing i mean what's your take on that yeah i agree 1000 percent. in uh in mark manson's follow-up book to the subtle art of not giving a he hmm. says that uh imagine a utopia where everything is perfect in that utopia, one of the issues, kind of like first world problems, is that most of us experience pain on the same spectrum, but it is relative. We apply it to our circumstances. So somebody that's currently enslaved, right, and being tortured and working in mines or something like that, you know, the extreme of their pain feels the same as the extreme of somebody in this utopia. And in this utopia, they feel that extreme pain when somebody messes up their coffee order or whatever the case is. Mm. 
And so that, that might not be true. I haven't looked into the science of that, but when I think about pain, I think, yeah, it's totally relative. Mm. And like pain is pain. Like if you're experiencing pain, you want to remove that from your life. Mm. And if you can help people remove pain, I think that's a version of purpose. So yeah, I, I suppose I agree that it's totally relative. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I th yeah, and for me, that's a really important message because um, I don't know if you've ever been in, in, in a room and seen somebody stand up and give a testimonial or, or, or give a share and what they talk about what has happened in their life you think wow i mean how did they ever come through that experience and then in a way then maybe you, you turn to your own life and think crikey some of my problems are so trivial by comparison to that and you almost kind of feel a bit a bit guilty about about that you know it can be can be can be you know a weird a weird feeling but i I kind of want to urge people to say, look, you know, your your pain is your pain. It's very personal to you. And um, you might not even call it pain, but it's everything is lived through that kind of external experience that you get. Uh, it's your life. Um, what's the value in that experience that you've had, whether you've loved it or hated it or whatever it is? What's the value? What's the what's the lesson? And how can you use that to to help other people? Because that's really interesting it's kind of when you actually begin to help other people, that's when it kind of makes sense. I mean, was there a light bulb moment for you when you sort of realized that serving others made a massive difference for you in kind of overcoming that ego thing that you were, you were in? Yes. <clears throat> yes, absolutely. Uh, there, I was interviewing an author on our podcast and his name was Brant Men is Brant Mensoir, and he wrote a book called Black Sheep. And the book Black Sheep helps you define your five core values, your non-negotiables, things that, you know, he, he says a black sheep is less valuable to, you know, to the shepherd because its wool can't be dyed, right? Non-negotiable values. So no matter what happens in your life, these are the five things that fuel you. And as I was listing them out to him, he said to me, well, why isn't impact one of them? He's like, when I observe your entire brand, it's all about making a positive impact. I'm going to call you out. I think you've got to add impact. I think it fuels you. Mm. And I said, well, I'm, I'm kind of insecure with the word impact because when I was younger, I had all these ego issues. It was always about me. And I, I think people would call BS. They'd say, no way. Like Nick isn't focused on impact. And he said, yeah, but you're not the same person you were a few years ago. If that lights your fire today, step into it. Articulate it to other people. Tell everybody that, being of service to other people makes you feel good. And a couple of years from now, you'll be really confident saying that to other people. And I was like, okay, I'll try it out. You know, I'll try it out. And now I, I think it's so true. So I think that was the light bulb moment for me. And I wanted just to add another piece of context from what you were just saying, which is that sometimes people say comparison is the thief of joy. Hmm. But I think that comparison creates joy when you compare yourself to your past right. and you've seen how much you've grown, but also when you do, and it gets a little bit dark, but when you do compare yourself to people who are less fortunate, there's always going to be somebody in a worse situation. Mm -hmm. And so I heard somebody say once, like, imagine if you put your problems in a bag and you put them in the middle of the room and everybody in the room did the same thing. Once you got to see everybody else's problems, you'd probably run and pick yours back up because everybody's going through something. You're not quite sure what it is, but they've gotten used to it. They can deal with it. You probably couldn't. So mm. keep your own problems, you know, and, right. and just be grateful that you don't have more. Right. Exactly. Exactly.
And, and so what problems are you sort of wrestling with now in your life? Yeah, I'll tell you what, I've read hundreds and hundreds of personal development and business books. And at some point, the result of all of these books is supposed to be enjoying the passage of time, right? You're supposed to remove anxiety and depression. You're supposed to improve your life to the point that you actually enjoy it. And for the most part, that's actually what I feel like I've done. I've put in the work for 10 straight years of reading and implementing books every single week without fail. And so I'm healthier than I've ever been. I'm wealthier than I've ever been. And I'm happier than I've ever been. I'm more of service you know, we do a million impressions a month through our platforms, connecting people to resources that can improve their lives. So what do I want? I want more of the same. So my problems are not big problems. I don't experience a lot of pain on a regular basis. I'm looking to grow my business. I'm looking to grow my relationship. I'm looking to, you know, like I said, be of more service to more people. And, uh, that's maybe not the you know the average answer, but I'll tell you what I've I've created a life by intentionally embracing a lot of pain that doesn't have a lot of pain on a day to day basis, mm. uh, if that makes sense. You no. know, and there's there's little things that scare me. Like last week, we hosted our first ever event, right? And the event was on a Thursday, so a week ago today, we walked in on Wednesday afternoon, and the event coordinator had been fired. And the person that owned the building was like, well, yeah, we don't have anything set up. Right. So that was, that was like, you know, it was a little bit of anxiety. It was kind of roll the sleeves up. And, and then, uh, you know, I had some social media, I mean, some social like speaking anxiety mm. and I was up on stage for like seven hours, moderating the whole thing, interviewing people, you know, that's a little bit of short-term pain, but it's, I don't experience that much on a, on a regular basis anymore. Sure. Sure. And why why is that is that yeah I'll, I'll just leave the question there what's the reason why you don't you don't it doesn't feel like pain anymore yeah it's a good question i'm trying to optimize for enjoying the passage of time hmm. and one of the things that sometimes when i say that people think complacency sitting on the beach sipping on a margarita or something like that but for me in embracing discomfort, a little bit of discomfort, not so much that I burn out, but always pushing the agenda, continuing to make progress, right? That's one of my core values by taking action. Mm. Um, that that makes me happy. Like I've redefined what used to scare me. Now that makes me happy. And I'm really comfortable consistently pushing that agenda. There's a, a metaphor that I've heard recently about the comfort zone that says it's kind of like an elastic band. If you stretch it slowly, it can continue to grow over time. But if you try to pull it too fast, it will break and you'll burn out. Mm. So I've gotten really used to embracing discomfort. And in fact, when I don't, I feel a lack of fulfillment. Mm. And, um, you know, I think I'm of service to people more today than I ever have been in my life. And I think that that creates a lot of fulfillment and, and energy for me. Mm. And I'm also seven or eight years into practicing gratitude on a daily basis. And what happens when you practice gratitude is you stop focusing on the things that you lack and you start focusing on the things that you have. And so, you know, and when a Lamborghini flies by me on the highway, it's not a feeling of, man, I wish I had a Lamborghini, but it's like, <laughs> look at my own steering wheel and say, how cool is it that I have a car today? And that sounds a little bit of an extreme jump, for some people that are listening to there and they're like, oh, who cares? But every day for years, I write three things that I'm grateful for. 
I have the numbers one, two, and three tattooed on my wrist as a reminder to think subconsciously a thousand times throughout the day what I'm grateful for. I have the word gratitude tattooed in Spanish on the back of my wrist. So I'm like so bought into this and it's just melted away. Like comparison creates joy. Mm. How could I ever justify my own pain when I realize like how beautiful my life is and I'm just focusing on gratitude every day. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, and it's easy, isn't it? When you're uh, running a car, for example, and you know, you've got to make, you've got to make the payment on that car and all that kind of stuff for you to sort of, oh man, I've got to make this payment on this car. And you know, my life is such a stress. And then you drive somebody past somebody in that self-same car who might be stood at a bus stop with a, with loads of bags of shopping and three or three kids or whatever it might be. And it's kind of, yeah, well, you know, be thankful. You know, you, you get to make that car payment, whereas somebody else might be in a position where, you know, they would love to have that as a problem to solve. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, this is why I'm passionate about books, like this same conversation, because so many of us, we think our pain is unique to us. Mm. And sometimes it is, but most of the time, if you zoom out and you realize that a hundred billion people have lived before us, a hundred billion people. Millions of them have written books and thousands of those books can help you overcome the same problem you're dealing with right now. Mm. So I've heard Jordan Peterson say, I mean, the math makes sense, but he's the first person I heard say this. He said that if you're experiencing a pain, let's say it's a small pain on a daily basis, something in your life isn't right. Mm. Over the next 30 years, you'll experience that pain 11,000 times unless you deal with it. So short-term discomfort to overcome that pain, long-term happiness. Mm -hmm. And I've just tried to do that, like with precision accuracy at everything that comes up in my life, overcome it, have the tough conversation, deal with that thing that you've been putting off, read a book that can solve your pain. That's the other thing about these books. Other people have overcome the challenges that you're looking to overcome. They've written about them. And they've condensed decades of information and lived experience into days of reading for $20 and a few hours of your time. So it's a pretty good, you know, ROI opportunity. You invest $20, you invest a few hours of your time, and you solve something that otherwise you probably would have dealt with 11,000 times over the next 30 years. Yeah. Why? Wow. That's a pretty good payback. So it what is? So, yeah. So, 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 uh, so, so, so you've talked a bit about the system for extracting value from reading books. What about what about the mindset? Because what you're talking about is actually quite a lot of discipline. It is. And that's evolved over time for me as well. My book is broken down into two sections, the systems. And then in the second half of the book, I detail over 100 things that I've implemented from the 500 plus books that I've read things that have improved my health, my wealth, my happiness. A lot of the happy, happiness ones are related to mindset. But in between the two sections, I actually have a number of paradigm shifts, mindset shifts that I've gone through over the years. Kind of looking back in hindsight, I'm totally different than I was 10 years ago. What are the differences? And so I think one of them is kind of this, I like to call it a victim to hero upgrade. So the world is not happening to you, it's happening for you. And we're capable of doing so much more than we're currently doing. Most of us are living under our potential. 
some of that feeling started to cement itself or this understanding of this mindset when I read The Top Five Regrets of the Dying by Bronnie Ware. It's a book about a palliative care nurse. She, she works with people at the end of their life. She'd spend the last couple of weeks, days, months with somebody and kind of help them as they transition out of this lifetime into the next. And she would speak with these people. And she learned that most of them were carrying a lot of regrets and that these regrets followed a very similar pattern. So she wrote this book to kind of wake everybody up to some of these regrets that people face as they're dying. The number one regret is that people live lives based on other people's expectations of them instead of their own unique desires. And so that's a constant reminder that life is short. It's finite. You can't always push something off until tomorrow and expect it to change. You have to take action today. You have agency and control over your life. Being a victim does not help anybody. Sitting back and saying, woe is me, life stinks, look at my situation, it's not going to change anything. And so by reading these books and implementing the lived experience of other people, you can make progress and change so that when you are at the end of your life, you're not looking back saying, wow, I wish I did more. I, I wish I was a little bit more confident or I didn't care so much about what my parents thought or society thought. I wish I did that thing that I know fuels me, but I just suppressed it for the last 75 years or whatever the case is. Mm. And um, I'll, I'll end that kind of answer because I've got a ton of different ways we could take that. But I'll end that answer by saying like, I'm 29 years young. And people say 29 years, like, what does that mean to you? Well, I've read thousands of years of other people's experiences, right? If each book condenses 20, 30, 40, 50 years of somebody else's life into the book, I've read thousands of years worth of other people's experiences. And one thing that I'm certain of is that I am not going to live a life of regret. I'm not going to do it. I can confidently say that when I go to bed, each and every night I'm fulfilled because I'm helping other people and I'm giving it my all. Like I'm not underserving myself. Mm. So I, I wanted to add that in there too, because I think the regret piece is really important and it's got to think about your future self. Right. Exactly. And so has there ever been a time when you kind of fell off the wagon, if you like? So, so you started this journey about reading and digesting and learning and personal development. Um, but you know, sometimes we get knocked off course. Has that ever happened to you? And, and if so, how did you bounce back from that? Since I started my reading journey, I haven't fallen off course reading, but I'll say that the business that I run today, which employs about 10 people and it serves hundreds of authors a year, it's had its ups and downs. So that's been a roller coaster. <laughs> and uh, that's definitely put my brain to the test, my mindsets to the test a number of times. Um, it started as a side hustle hmm. and it took about five years of consistent effort before it consistently made money. And I sp I've spent a ton of money failing. One of the other mindsets that's really helped me is, maybe I could say th this, one of my biggest qualms with the US public education system, and I'm sure the public education system in a lot of places, is that they teach you that failure is a bad thing. I think failure is the best teacher, especially as a business owner. And so what I realized, I was conditioned growing up to avoid failure at all costs. It's one of the reasons I had public speaking anxiety, because every time I'd fail in front of the class, I'd get a bad grade, kids would laugh at me, and it felt terrible. 
But if only I knew that by going through that experience over and over and over again and consistently failing and then making iterations, eventually I'd be a more confident communicator. I just didn't know that back then. Nobody told me that back then. So with business early on, I knew that through failure, I would learn and I would improve. Michael Gerber, who's a business author, says that 95% of small businesses fail in the first five years because they run out of money. So what was a little bit different about my journey was that I decided to keep a full-time job while I was building Bookthinkers on the side. And in fact, Bookthinkers employed a couple of people and was generating a lot of revenue before I even made the jump Hmm. um, to kind of minimize risk. But for those first five years, yeah, there were tons of times that I wanted to give up. Hmm. There were tons of times where I'm sinking tens of thousands of dollars into something that's just not working. And uh, that was, I I think, really disappointing for me in my 20s. But, uh, you know, I just, I kept reading about all these other successful people and understanding that success and failure are the same road. You just have to continue to persevere a little bit farther. Like you're always three feet from gold. And if you give up now, it could have been tomorrow where everything changes. Um, So I think that like falling off the wagon in terms of personal development hasn't happened yet. But the business, I mean, there's been times where, you know, I went weeks or months without like focusing on it at all because I wanted to give up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it is it is tough. Business is tough. And uh, with all the best intentions in the world, uh, even if you've got a good a good mindset and a good business model, you know, those external factors are going to come in and, like I said, potentially knock you off course. So what do you think are the key character qualities that entrepreneurs need uh, or even people need if, if they're going after a purpose and they're going after a mission uh, yeah what are those character qualities that can help them to stay on track I think an optimistic mindset or or a mindset of gratitude and attitude of gratitude is really important again focusing on what you have staying connected to that purpose each time somebody would message me and say hey Nick one of your book recommendations changed my life it was a reminder that I needed to work in this space full time. I needed to multiply that impact. And I would express gratitude for those people. And I would try to focus all of my energy on that positive energy. Because like you, like we've talked about, business can be really tough. It's not always nice, right? When you're playing in the world of business, things can get mean and dirty and it doesn't always go the way that you plan. So I think having that attitude of optimism and gratitude, staying connected to your purpose. I think those are some really important qualities. Mm -hmm. Having thick skin, you know, being able to roll with the punches. There's a philosophy in in stoicism called amor fati, which stands for the love of one's fate. And the concept of amor fati is that all of these external factors, things that you don't have control over, they're actually inherently neutral or even positive. So when things change in the external world and you feel like it's personal, you've got to step back and realize it's not personal, right? The world's operating as it is. It doesn't care much for you as an individual. And so you have to make the most out of it with your mindset. Mm -hmm. And I went from very cynical, uh, emotionally reactive to neutral and then eventually positive. And now when bad things happen, I'm not like, oh goodness, running around. It's okay, like let's deal with it. There's probably going to be a great lesson in this misunderstanding or in this negative circumstance. Like, let's figure it out, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And 
it took me a long time to get there, but I think that's another really important one is just, you know, it's optimism and it's, it's viewing everything as an opportunity, not an obstacle. Yeah. Yeah. And the good thing about character qualities is that with effort, with intention, as you said earlier, you can work on, you can work on any character quality. Um, and again, you can take the same approach, you know, you can have an accountability buddy if, if, if that helps you to kind of work on that, you know, show examples of where, you know, if you need perhaps more resilience, uh, if you need perhaps to, you know, uh, a simple thing like complain less and kind of, you know, just, just, just to get that optimistic feel into the way you talk and the way that you are with other people, then, you know, you can work on it. You've just got to decide. Mm -hmm. I agree. It is a decision. It's a choice. Mm -hmm. Cool. Cool. So, um, how do you, um, keep your, uh, life in balance then you know what what do you get up to when you're not uh, reading books or thinking about books or connecting authors with their readers what, what, what do you get up to if i didn't work in the book space i'd work in the travel space so my wife and i have visited 25 different countries over the last handful of years sometimes for up to a few months at a time so maybe when everybody's been listening today, they're like, oh, this guy works 24 seven. And that's not the case. I, I love to spend a lot of time traveling, exploring all of these fun excursions, eating at new restaurants, learning new languages, like all of these things also fuel me in a big way. And I think I work so hard building my business and building myself so that I can have the freedom to travel, you know, and be in the present moment as often as possible. Mm. Um, I just got married earlier this year. Congratulations. So yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> and we bought a house last year and got a dog. And yeah. I mean, my morning routine is really important to me, which again, and is maybe a form of discipline, but it's walking each morning with my dog and my wife and getting outside and getting some sun and breathing some fresh air. And those things are really important to me. Mm. Um, I only live about 20 minutes from my parents so every Sunday we have a, a big family dinner. I have three brothers and everybody's spouses come over and, and the dogs are running around and it's it's a good kind of like family life. Um, so those are some of the things that I like to focus on. I'm in the gym almost every day of the week, which again is another form of discipline, but something that I really enjoy doing. And so those are some of the things that that I focus on. Cool, cool. And and what, what would you say to people who say that discipline is something that constrains and, and stops you from doing what you want to do. Yeah. Jocko Willink, ex Navy SEAL. Uh, now he's written a few books. He says that discipline equals freedom. And that's a little counterintuitive when you first hear it, but listen, hear me out for a minute. Let's say that you have eight hours of work and you're not disciplined. Maybe that work takes you 10 hours. Therefore you lose the freedom to use that extra time into something that maybe is a little bit more meaningful to you if you don't enjoy your work. But if you were really disciplined, you could do that work in six hours and you could use those extra four to lay around and watch Netflix or scroll on social media or do what truly fuels you. And so discipline actually creates more space for freedom. And I think in my late teens, early 20s, when I first started to get into this stuff, people would say to me, hey, like enjoy your, your twenties, enjoy your life. You're working so hard. And I'm sitting back looking at these people going, I'm traveling the world, experiencing life, building a business that truly fuels me. Like 
I think I'm enjoying my life more than anybody. You know what I mean? So it's just kind of this funny thing. Like I think discipline creates joy and freedom. Mm. And that's what it has for me, especially if your work is aligned with your purpose, right? The right. point of your conversations. Uh, if you're working a job that you hate, I think extra discipline just creates the space to play around with your purpose a little bit more. Mm. Yeah. And it's a, uh, it's a, it's, you can t turn the dials on your purpose and how you apply it and all that. Cause, uh, cause people have this perception sometimes that purpose has to be this big, massive, world changing thing. But actually, it can be quite a simple, concept i mean if you were to distill your purpose right down to it's very kind of almost lowest common denominator or maybe perhaps to chunk it up to the kind of the the, the, the most simplistic view of it what, what would it be my purpose mm. to connect people with the right books so that they can change their lives in a positive way cool yeah the right book at the right time can change a life it really can yeah that's cool because that that's a purpose that's built on a belief from your own personal experience and and yeah i love that because that plays into a bit about the how as well you just brought together those three bits in one sentence that's amazing have you got that written mm -hmm. down somewhere oh i do yeah. yes i do <laughs> cool i i detailed it in my book rise of the reader because i wanted people to realize i think a couple things happen all it took was reading that book, Built to Serve, and going through the exercises. I mean, the exercises are fun. He's asking you, like, who is your favorite grade school teacher and why? Mm. What's your favorite movie of all time and why? And then you start to look for these common threads. And that's what I did. I, I couldn't articulate it prior to reading that book. Mm. Once I was able to start articulating what fuels me, I could see more opportunities in the world to take advantage of that and to perform that. And so my purpose became an action. Right. I'm going out there and making these recommendations. They're positively impacting people. I'm feeling the feedback and the impact. And uh, that means everything to me. Um, I'll tell you a quick story. My wife and I, this past summer, we uh, traveled through Europe a little bit. We took a month and we were in Croatia, right outside of Dubrovnik, Croatia. So Dubrovnik is a small city in the first place. It only has, I think, a Forty or 50,000 people that live there. And we're in this little area outside of Dubrovnik, tiny little spot. And we were walking to a bar. And as we were walking to the bar, we walked past this little restaurant. And she said, hey, on our way back from the bar, let's make a reservation at that restaurant for tomorrow night. I said, okay. So we're walking back and they're closing up. I'm like, oh no. And she's like, well, let's just leave. We can come back and figure it out tomorrow. I said, no, let me go inside and see if I can find somebody. So I go inside this little restaurant. And I see somebody kind of cleaning and putting things away. And I said, hey, can I make a reservation for tomorrow night? And he looks up at me and he says, oh, yeah, sure. By the way, I'm a huge fan. And I was like, clearly he doesn't know who I am. So I was like, a fan of, of what? What do you mean? And he's like, of book thinkers, of your book recommendations, your business. And in this tiny little area of Croatia, remember, I'm from the United States. Mm. I just, I got goosebumps again. Right. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, tell me your story. And so- for the next 20 minutes, he tells me about all of these book recommendations that I've made on social media yeah. about how he's purchased these books, read them, implemented them to improve so many areas of his life and his mindset. And it's like, that's exactly why I'm doing what I'm doing. Because some random dude in Croatia is consuming these recommendations, using the books to improve his life. And I never, I had never heard from him before. He had never messaged me or anything like that. but 
you know, that's what it's all about. And impact is kind of, it's only felt through feedback. Like I didn't know I was having that impact on him Mm. until he told me. And so it's a good reminder for anybody listening, like to message their favorite creator or to message David and say, Hey, I've never reached out before, but this podcast really helps me. Mm. And I've found my purpose and tell them your story. Like that, that's what fuels us, you know? Absolutely. What an amazing story. I bet you got some great service in that restaurant when you went back the following night. <laughs> I did. I felt, I, you know, I'd say I feel bad. He, uh, he he paid for our dinner, which was really nice. Oh, wow. There you go. <laughs> so, there you go. yeah, we, we had dinner. I didn't expect that from him at all. Yeah. But yeah, we got great service. And then at the end of the night, he paid for our dinner and he gave me a letter. And I, you know, I keep that here so you can see it's from the Dubrovnik uh, Hotel. and. Amazing. Yeah, super cool. Wow. Wow, what a story. And that's the law of um, reciprocity. If I've said that right, then I deserve a medal. Uh, that's 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 <laughs> ama- that's amazing, isn't it? And, and you're right. That is kind of why you do things. And sometimes you don't know who's listening. But uh, again, it's another encouragement for people. You know, if you if you've got if you've got a message and you're not sure, just start just start putting it out there. And and you know, sooner or later, it, it, I mean, it's it never ceases to amaze me how. Uh, when you kind of when you're out and about and you bump into somebody and and you don't you know they're in the circle who might be consuming your your content or, or they know about what you're doing and and every now and then someone feels moved just to say something encouraging and um all feedback's good feedback i think as well you know i mean uh, if you get a crit- critique or something that maybe doesn't quite come across as quite so positive either then um then it's good to listen to that and hear that and then decide what to do with it i mean uh, have you had any feedback that's been perhaps on the other end of the spectrum that you've had to respond oh, yeah. to as well <laughs> <laughs> definitely but i made a decision i made a decision about 10 years ago uh to be very open and to listen to constructive feedback mm because of these books that I was reading, they really encouraged me to do so. Mm. There was a book that I read early in my journey that's that's called The Code of the Extraordinary Mind mm. and by Vishen Lakhiani. And in that book, he actually says, write a letter or a text message or an email to 20 people in your life and ask them what your biggest weaknesses are. Mm. And that was a terrifying experience for me, but I did that. And uh, I received all of that constructive feedback. You know, people would say things like, you know, you're too competitive. Or when you're in the room, you try to you try to steal all of the attention at the expense of everybody else and you don't make us feel great. You know, things like that. Mm. And it was by being open to constructive feedback that I was able to deal with my ego issues. Mm. And uh, that's what almost all the constructive feedback said, some variation of those things. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it is tough. But with book thinkers, I've actually, I've tried to cultivate uh, sort of a community that gives me feedback. So every once in a while I'll post and I'll say, hey, tell me what I could be doing better. Tell me what are your least favorite pieces of content? What are your best, you know, what are your favorite pieces of content? Where am I not showing up? And and what could I be, what could I be doing better? Like all sorts of these questions. Yeah. And over time, people have felt, I think, more and more comfortable approaching me 
as sort of the leader of this community and saying, hey, here's what you could do better. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Yeah, the old, um, uh, what should I stop? What should I start? What should I continue doing? Kind of questioning there. They're really good, aren't mm -hmm. they, for getting that feedback. So tell us a bit about book thinkers then, because um, you clearly know your stuff and uh, and I've loved all the recommendations. These show notes are going to run to about four or five pages by the sounds of it with all the, with all the <laughs> references that are coming out. But so how, how does book think, think, thinkers actually work? So today it's a digital marketing agency. We have 10 people on our team that support about 200 authors a year in promoting and marketing their books. We have three core services. Number one, we'll actually fly out to an author and help them create 50 to 100 pieces of short form video content, turning a physical book into social media content so that they could amplify their message. So oftentimes these books, they contain so much valuable information, but remember, it's not the best written books, it's the best selling books right. that have the biggest impact. Yeah. And so we've got to, you know, launching a book is a team sport. We've got to get out there and leverage social media. All of these platforms have billions of monthly active users. So each, each author, no matter how niche their book is, their target reader is on these platforms. And if they're not creating content, they're consuming somebody else's content, right? Yeah. So that's number one. We do short form video content. And on the back end, we do all the editing. Number two, we do podcast booking. Podcasting, as you know, being a podcast host is such a great place to explore the subject of a book, to explore somebody's message, their purpose. And so we can place authors on up to 100 podcast to talk about their book mm. in anticipation of their launch. And then number three, we have a community on social media, mostly on Instagram. <clears throat> Instagram's about 150,000 followers, about a million impressions a month. And so we make a new book recommendation every day. We try to get in the DMs and engage with people. And so I'll throw this out there, David, for everybody that's listening. If anybody wants to DM me at BookThinkers and tell me about a problem they're currently experiencing, or a skill set they'd like to develop, I'll make a custom book recommendation. It's one of my favorite things to do, playing sort of like that book matchmaker role. And uh, yeah, I'm happy to do that for anybody in your audience that wants to shoot us a DM. Fantastic, that's great. And how can um, authors, uh, you know, get get in touch with you as well? Because you must be on the hunt for for new authors all the time. Oh yes, absolutely. I would love to have an introductory discovery sort of conversation with anybody that's interested in learning more on our website, bookthinkers.com, spelled just like it sounds, bookthinkers.com. There's a little form that you can fill out, get some time on my calendar and chat about our services. Cool, cool, cool. And if there is somebody out there listening right now who's got, who feels like they've got a book inside them, but they're not quite sure where to start with getting that whole process going, what advice would you give them to take that first step? I worked with a wonderful company to help get my book to life. So I started this project about three years ago, and then I really did most of the work in the last year. Uh, once I started working consistently with a company called Book Launchers, mm -hmm. so not book thinkers, but book launchers, mm -hmm. they are a self-publishing services company uh, that can help you do everything from help you write the book and map it out and you know, improve it to all of the editing and the Amazon stuff and everything in between. So self-publishing a book is easier today than it ever has been. You don't have to give royalties to a publisher. Publishers don't really pay advances anymore in today's age anyway, unless you're super famous. Mm -hmm. So yeah, the self-publishing way, that's what I decided to do with my very first book. 
and uh, it came out great. I'm I'm really excited to feel the impact once it once it launches on November first. Excellent. Yeah. So and then yeah. So Rise of the Reader. That's that's the that's the name of the book. Um, yes. So if you were gonna say okay, so what are the top three things or top three reasons why people need to read this book? What would those top three reasons be? If somebody in the audience is currently reading and attempting to implement personal development books, I'd say there is a major opportunity cost to continuing down that path without reading my book first, because you will not get as much out of the books as you want unless you're using these techniques. So that's number one. Number two, a big message in my book is that we're all capable of doing more and that we don't want to live that life of regret. When we look back with old eyes, we say, ah, you know, that guy in his 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s could have been doing more, but chose not to. That's a big message. So it's going to create a little bit of urgency in your life. And then number three, I do believe the right book at the right time can change your life. I believe that my book is going to be that book for a lot of people. It's not for somebody who's never read a personal development book before, but it's for people that are on that journey. They recognize the difference between where they are and where they want to be. And they understand that books and podcasts and courses can get them there. My book will just make that happen a lot faster for you. Amazing. Right. Okay. So uh, so how do I get hold of a copy? <laughs> when it's 1st November, uh, right? It, yeah. It's available on all the online retailers. So yeah. Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million. There are tons of international ones that I don't know the names of, but <laughs> it should be available for purchase in most of those. And you could always just go to the BookThinkers website or the BookThinkers Instagram and find a link that works for you. Fantastic. Brilliant. Nick, it's been amazing uh, speaking with you. Um, I've, I've loved the conversation and, and I hope you have too. Have you got any final words you'd like to leave with our audience before we bring it to a conclusion? You know what? I'll, I'll just say this. I'm grateful for you. Thank you for the opportunity. Uh, being able to share my message and having somebody ask me unique, good questions for an hour. Uh, like I said at the very, very beginning, like there's nothing that makes me happier. So I'll say this for anybody that's listening today that has not reached out to David before, and you're still on one hour into this conversation, reach out, thank him, write a review, uh, express gratitude because like I was mentioning before, Feedback and impact, or impact is only felt through feedback. Like if you've never reached out before, I think now's a good chance to do it and thank David for the wonderful show. Amazing. Thank you, Nick. I love that. Free plug. I wasn't expecting that. That's awesome. Free plug. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll definitely take that. Well, thanks ever so much for your time and for coming on. And and one thing that, I mean, I'm, I'm going to be get, getting a copy of the book, that's for sure, because I know that I can spend a lot of time reading and perhaps not get quite getting the value that I could from the books that I read. And so, so yeah, I'm definitely going to be going to be doing that. And, um, and, you know, your authority in this area is clear. I mean, there must have been a dozen titles that you've spoken about. Um, and, you know, your knowledge of those titles, um, and the key messages contained therein, um, you know, and the way you've said it, brilliant, really, really cutting through the noise. So love that. So that, that offer that you've made just remind the listeners again to you know if you've got a problem or if you've if you've got something that you're, you're trying to work out um uh, pop a message to, to to nick and see what he comes up with as a recommendation please do nothing makes me happier other than podcasting <laughs> <laughs> excellent good good combo all right well nick well thanks for coming on people with purpose really appreciate you cheers appreciate you cheers thanks for listening to people with purpose I hope you've enjoyed the show and are enjoying going on this journey. Please remember to like and subscribe 
and give us a five-star review. Uh, tell all your friends. And if you're interested in finding out more about any of the things we've covered in this episode of People With Purpose, just get in touch. All the details are in the show notes. Thanks. Bye. <laughs>